Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles today to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number five. Last time we were together, we looked at verses 33 through 37 in regards to oaths. In this last part of Matthew chapter five, Jesus enhances three additional areas of the law, particularly in regards to oaths, retribution, and neighborly love. In verse number 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself. To forswear means to swear falsely or to perjure oneself. But thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh from evil. Okay, so we talked about the law of oaths. Uh, his instruction here is you don't need to be swearing by anything. He said, just let your yea be yea. Okay. He says, don't swear by heaven because it's God's throne. Don't swear by the earth because it's God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. As a matter of fact, don't even swear by your own head. God made it, not you. Okay. So what he's saying here is that the bottom line is that swearing shouldn't be necessary. If your yes is yes and your no is no, no expletives or oaths should be necessary to confirm or strengthen what you say. Just be a person of your word and you will not have to swear. And then he says in verse number 38 through 42, ye have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. So these verses speak of retribution, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. It was judicial retribution against harmful actions. Exodus chapter 21, Deuteronomy chapter 19, your eyes shall not pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So the Lord is telling his disciples here to go beyond just the judicial demands of the law. He told them to give more than what the law actually demanded. Now, it is wrong to think Jesus means that evil should never be resisted. That is not what he is saying. Jesus demonstrated with his life that evil should and must be resisted, such as when he turned the tables over in the temple. It is wrong to think that Jesus means a physical attack cannot be resisted or defended against. When Jesus speaks of a slap on your right cheek, that was culturally understood not as a physical slap, but as a deep insult. Jesus does not mean that if someone hits you across the right side of your head with a baseball bat that you should offer him the other side as well. Okay, it all it is also wrong to think that Jesus means that there is no place for punishment or retribution in society. Jesus here speaks to personal relationships, not to the proper functions of government in restraining evil. It, it, I must turn my cheek when I am personally insulted, but the government has a responsibility to restrain evil. 
Okay, and then verse number 43, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This was not a command for them or us to become passive doormats to be abused by other people. Instead, it was a command to view their enemies with the same compassion that Jesus had viewed them. Yes, Jesus loved even his and our enemies so much that he died for them. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Bear in mind, he is addressing the very ones that put the crown of thorns on his head, drove the spikes in his hands and his feet and pierced him in his side. And yet he says, Father, forgive them. Stephen at his stoning in Acts chapter seven and verse number 60, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And of course, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, said in Romans 12, 14, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Therefore, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. And so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Now, I've actually read in, in uh, there's a book, Manners and Customs in Bible Times, in regards to thou shalt dump coals of fire upon his head, that doesn't mean you're pouring fire over the head of someone else, it means that you're doing something good for the other person, even though they may not actually deserve it. People would go house to house and sometimes their fires would go out. They would knock on your door and they would ask if they could have some of the coals from their fire so that they can light their fire. And they would take that coal, put it in a little a uh, little thing on their head and carry it to their home. Uh, in other words, you, you're doing good to people. It doesn't mean pouring cold fire over somebody's head. Okay. Uh, and then in verse number 45, he says that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. That is to say to the Jews that by doing good to others, the world will know that you are indeed my children. The same applies to you and I as Christians in Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I mean, he hasn't forgiven us just for our sake. He forgave us for Christ's sake. Even God does good to his enemies by giving them the sunshine and giving them the rain. It doesn't rain on my side of the street, not on your side of the street. Okay. Um, it doesn't, the sun doesn't shine on your side of the street and not on my side of the street. God does good even to his enemies. And he goes on in verse number 46 and 47 and says, for if ye love them, which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? It is not enough just to love and salute those that love us and salute to that love and salute us. The word salute refers to a gesture of respect, homage, or polite recognition for the other person. Anybody can do that. The heathen can say hello. In order to be like our Father in heaven, we must actually love our enemies. After all, Jesus loved us when we were his enemies. You know, Romans chapter five, verse number eight says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, thus leaving us an example in how we should love others who do not love us. 
A matter of fact, Peter said in First Peter two in verse number nineteen, for this is a thank this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye are buffeted for your faults, that you should take it patiently? But if when you do well and you suffer for it and you take it patiently, that is acceptable to God. For here even unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving for us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus loved us when we were still yet his enemies, and he expects us to do the same for ours. And notice he says at the beginning of this verse, if a man toward consciousness endure grief and suffers wrongfully, what glory is it when it when it's when it's your own fault and you take it patiently? In other words, you deserved it. <laughs> okay, so there's nothing to brag about in regards to suffering because you're not suffering wrong wrongfully. But if you do good and yet people do bad to you and and you take it and you endure it. That is following in the steps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the same was done unto him. And then in verse 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. If a man could live the way Jesus has told us to in this chapter, he would truly be perfect. He would never hate. He would never slander. He would never speak evil of another person. He would never lust in his heart or in his mind or covet anything. He would never make a false oath. He would always be completely truthful. He would let God defend his personal rights and not take it upon himself to defend those rights. He would always love his neighbor and even his enemies. No, we will probably never reach that kind of perfection in this life, but it is no excuse for not trying. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.